It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Welcome to another episode of the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Thanks for being here, friends. My name is Mike Bernard. I'm your host. I'm also one of the certified financial planners on the program. With me in the KFT studios, my business partners and fellow CFPs, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. The Secure Act 2.0 is making saving into Roth style accounts more available and, in some instances, even required. We're going to catch up on these new rules today and determine if you should make changes in your financial plan. That and more coming up this hour. Very good. All right. If you have questions, this is sort of part two of our uh, of our Secure Act 2.0 change. It's going to be a little overlap, but I'm going to tell you right now, if you didn't catch last, last week's show, go check it out on YouTube or podcast because there's just lots of rules that are going to influence your financial plan. We're going to share some of those right now. If you have questions, though, about what changes you should make or how it's going to impact you, reach out to us. Call or text 574 222 that's 574-222-2000, online, wisemoneyshow.com, and then all over social media, wherever you're at. We are there as well. You can connect with us there, search Wise Money Show. All right, so I remember when I heard Kevin, uh, I don't remember where it was. It wasn't in our offices or our conference room, but I remember when I heard Kevin, when I was an intern, explain the Roth IRA to someone, to a client in an appointment. And I remember, I've told you this, Kevin, I remember like getting the sweats and like, really worried. Not that I thought I knew everything. I, I was very aware. I did not know a lot at this time, but I thought there's there's no way that's how it works. There's no way that <laughs> you, you would make a contribution into an account just like you're saving up for anything, but they're, they're not going to tax that money again, ever, ever, ever. That's unbelievable. And it's not just me that was in disbelief. I know you guys have had this experience as well, but I'm thinking of times when I've explained it to clients and clients have said, nah, I'm, I'm not doing that. They're going to change those rules. They're going to make it retroactive mm-hmm. and tax everything. There's no way this thing's going to be around for that long. Yeah. And guys, not only has it still been around, they've brought the Roth IRA, they've brought Roth to Roth 401ks. And Roth four through B's. You guys may remember. I know you remember, but it it seems like it's always been this way. They opened up the rules so that more people can do Roth conversions. Mm-hmm. You used to have an income, need to have an income below a hundred grand in order to do a Roth conversion. They basically said we don't want people doing Roth conversions. They opened that window, door, whatever, and now they've expanded through the Secure Act 2.0 a lot more ability to do Roth. So first, guys, we're going to explain these rules. Some of them are overlap from last week, but there's this general sense of encouraging people to do more Roth, a Rothification of tax rules. Guys, what do you think? Is this is this a good thing, bad thing? What are your thoughts? I I don't know. I, you know, I I was around before helping people invest their the two thousand dollars that they could put into an IRA before the Roth was even available, and the Roth IRA. The first year you could contribute to a Roth IRA was 1998. Um, and so I, I remember thinking this is kind of too good to be true. And a lot of people did think that. Like, yeah, they're going to change these rules and whatever. As we've as, as things have gone and, and planning has changed and been enhanced, it the Roth IRA is an important tool. Um, I would encourage people, don't ever get enamored with a tool. Understand how it works. I mean, if if you are are trying to drive a nail, a um, a bandsaw is not the right tool. 
Uh, it just isn't if you've ever tried. And so I, I think what you want to <laughs> do is, a story there is, somewhere. is say, okay, what what is the tool? What's the job that I'm trying to do? And what what's the range of tools that I would consider using? And then and maybe I need to use a few tools. Mm-hmm. I, I would say the Roth IRA likely is not the standalone uh, implement that you need to use for all of your financial planning work. You probably need a few other tools in that. Yeah, that's exactly right. In fact, we often talk about, uh, you know, the the most successful retirees are often people who have accumulated part of their nest egg in traditional 401ks and IRAs, as well as Roth IRAs, and maybe even additional buckets beyond that. So I I agree with you, Kevin. It's, It's not like we would ever say that the Roth IRA is the only place for you to be contributing. It wouldn't be the only thing that we talk about. Now, we do talk about it a lot. Uh, on on this show, because we want you to make sure that you fully understand all of your options. And the cool thing about the Secure Act 2.0 is that it is continuing to make more and more of these options available uh, on the Roth side. But c- compare the Roth to a traditional retirement plan. Traditionally, you would put money into an account and you would save money in taxes by making a contribution in that year because it's going in before taxes are ever paid on those contributions. The, the catch, though, is that when you someday use that money in retirement, you're going to pay taxes as you pull the money out. On all the contributions, you're going to pay tax. You're going to pay tax on all the growth as well. The Roth is it's almost the opposite, except it's better than the opposite. Mm. On a Roth, you do pay taxes today before you make your contribution. So it is, it's already tax money that goes into a Roth account, but then that money never gets taxed again because when you pull your contributions back out in retirement, they're coming out tax-free. But the cool part is the growth that you accumulate during those years or decades that the money is sheltered inside of the Roth, that growth also doesn't get taxed. So it never got taxed along the way. It doesn't get taxed when you pull it out. It really is unbelievable. And I agree. It the first time you hear it, it's like, no, that just sounds too good to be true. Mm-hmm. And yet, it has been true for decades now. They've mm-hmm. expanded it, and we're going to talk about some of the rules. But I tell you, just it's a general sense to me. I'm I'm overall suspicious of the government. I just am, and mm-hmm. and so to me, if you think about it, just really, really basic IRA contribution. I'm going to contribute a thousand dollars into my IRA, and the IRS says, okay, we won't tax it now. And then it's invested in, say, it grows to 2000 And by the way, the power of the stock market, yes, you live with the day-to-day volatility, but it's not going to grow to 2000 It grows significantly more than that. But mm-hmm. let's say IRS says, I'm not going to tax that 1000 today. And it grows to 2000 and say, well, as you take that 2000 I'm going to tax it. It's a good deal for the, for the IRS. And it, you said, okay, good, good deal for you. IRS avoids, delays some of their revenue today to get more revenue out there in the future. The exact opposite is true today with all these Roth rules. Makes me suspicious. We, wait a second. IRS, you're, you're really, or Congress, you're really that desperate to get tax revenue today? And we're nowhere close to a balanced budget? Nowhere close? But you're this desperate for tax revenue today that you're willing to give up so much tax revenue in the future makes me nervous, mm-hmm. makes me suspicious. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, that is the number one objection to most people saying, I, I don't know if I want to go too heavy into the Roth. It's because what if they change the rules down down mm-hmm. the road? But let, let's pretend for a moment that they do change the rules and they decide, all right, we, we said you're going to have tax-free income to you in retirement, but we actually do want to tax that. 
they're not going to tax you on the contributions again. Right. Because those already were taxed. And even the government wouldn't do that. Or at least they don't have well, much I of a history. I love your confidence, Joshua. I, I do. <laughs> I'm being reasonable. But what they would tax is the growth. Yeah. And that makes... The, it basically puts you in a position where, okay, I'm paying tax on the growth just like I would have in a traditional account anyway. I, my sense is they've expanded the Roth rules so much. If they ever did that, there would be a revolt. I don't know. I mean, Australia, I mean, New Zealand seems pretty nice. I just, <laughs> I, they were, the Roth has been such a focus, and now they've expanded it so much that if they ever change the deal now, there would be a revolt, I think. I don't know. All right. So let's get into some of these changes. A little bit of overlap uh, with last week's show, but some new stuff as well. So Roth IRA, we already mentioned. Roth 401k, Roth 403b, that's already been out. Now we have the the Roth Simple IRA, the Roth SEP IRA. Who do those apply to? How does this work? Well, the Simple and the SEP are are two different things. The, the SEP is typically for a, a single employer type of a plan. Um, you, you probably wouldn't do a SEP if you had a bunch of employees because whatever the employer puts in on their behalf, they have to do the same amount for the employees. So that can be an expensive plan. Um, so you, you say, well, then what's what's the and, – and what you can do where it was just pre-tax into the SEP, now you can do Roth into the SEP. It's typically been for self-employed individuals. And from what we've seen, it's typically someone with a side hustle or just starting their self-employed uh, you know, the, their job. And they're looking and saying, well, I'm getting walloped in taxes. How can I hide some of this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the Roth IRA, the, a Roth SEP IRA doesn't do that. Now, it does give you more option. I just don't know if the Roth SEP is going to be used that much. Um, but I like I that it's so. available. Yeah. I like that it's available now. The simple IRA now has Roth as well. I want to, we, we got to get into those rules. And then there's a few other, there's a lot of other Rothification of the tax rules that we're going to hit and help you with. So that and more coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. You can now do a Roth simple IRA or simple Roth IRA. I don't know how what are they going to how are they going to call it? I don't I don't know. But how does it work? Is it for you? We've got we're hitting that more. This is the Wise Money show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name's Mike Bernard with me in the KFT studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Every episode of the Wise Money shows on podcast, so if you listen to podcasts, go check it out, subscribe to it and rate the program. We appreciate that. All right, so the Rothification has just been further enhanced from the Secure Act 2.0, making Roth-style accounts more available, more encouraged, and in one case, even required. We're explaining those rules and the financial planning implications. So starting right meow, you can do a SEP (laughs) Roth IRA. I don't think a lot of people will do that, but I like it. It's available. That's awesome. Um, Roth Simple IRA. We've wanted this. Uh-huh. Yeah. We've wanted this. Now it's available. I love the simple IRA because the it, it, it the savings incentive match plan for employees. So this is think if I've got a hundred or fewer employees, and I don't want an expensive plan. Mm-hmm. Not that four hundred one ks are necessarily expensive if you structure them correctly, and you and, and especially if you get the costs um, going the right way. And the the this new if you don't have a retirement plan. The retirement plan cost, this is an oversimplification, but they're going to be covered um, for you by 
Go ahead. Well, this so this is our second full show on the Secure Act changes. We're going to do another one with one of our retirement plan experts, an all-star here at the on the KFG team, Corey Johnson. He's going to be coming on, and we're going to talk about. So if you if you own a small business, run a small business or our HR at a small business, you're going to want to listen to that show for sure because we're going to talk about the big retirement plan changes that are embedded in the Secure Act coming down the pike. So uh, I don't have a date yet set for that one, but make sure you're tuning in. You know, for a lot of small businesses, the simple IRA is where they start their their new plan. That's how they kind of launch themselves into offering retirement benefits to their employees. And it is because it's always been kind of an off-the-shelf, standardized, almost a template that the, the government has given. Here's your rule book. Here's how it's run. It doesn't require lots of reporting and extra administrative costs. So it really has been a, a very inexpensive plan to have in place. Compare that to a 401k where you can kind of build your own rule book or your own plan within the guidelines that the IRS gives. You have a lot of flexibility, a lot of customization, but more requirements for for reporting. Well, the 401k already got, you know, years ago, the, the Roth IRA came or the Roth features came to the 401k. It had never come to the simple IRA though. Mm-hmm. And so that basic off-the-shelf plan, one of the downsides to it was that you couldn't offer for your employees to contribute on an after-tax basis and let the money grow tax-free in a Roth side of the the simple IRA. The fact that this is coming now, I, certainly it's been on a lot of people's wish list for a long, long time. And the reason why is if you've got employees, so think if you've got a, a an employee and um, she's married and has a family and their household income is say sixty thousand dollars. They're f- with two kids, right? The federal their federal income tax is probably zero. Mm-hmm. So, if my federal income tax is zero, do I want to put into a plan that can only be pre-tax? So I'm putting in pre-tax and creating a tax liability on dollars that if I didn't put them into my retirement plan and took them and put them in my pocket, I wouldn't ever have a tax liability on those dollars. So you might or, be listening to that saying, well, then why put in anything at all? Well, because you can get a company match. Yeah, the, the 3%. Right? Yeah, that's right. Because otherwise, if someone in that situation was you know, eager to be contributing to retirement, you mm-hmm. would have always said, all right, take that paycheck money and put it into a Roth IRA on mm-hmm. your own. Mm-hmm. But you don't get a company match when you do your own Roth IRA on your own. The simple IRA allows you to get access to an extra contribution where your employer is helping to contribute to your retirement goal. Now, I don't know why they they then made this change as well as made the simple IRA less simple. There's mm-hmm. now a lot of other rules, and again, we'll, we'll hit this later, but I mean, the original idea was, hey, the no bells and whistles, for the most part, it's pretty limited choices. This is how it works. Just add one choice, make it Roth. And now they've just, they've done that, but then they've added a whole bunch of other things. And when you combine that with all of the, the freebies or credits that you're going to get to creating a 401k, I think this is too little, too late IRS. You're, you're not sending out, uh, you know, five, like, uh, reviews, re- requests for reviews, but too little, too late. And I'm, I said, IRS is Congress. Mm-hmm, right. So we'll see. Uh, one of the things that we mentioned in last week's show, but it's part of this Rothification, is in the same vein, if you've looked and you've said, well, I'm contributing to my 401k, Roth, 
because I like the tax bracket I'm in right now. I'm okay with it. And I'd, I'd like to exchange paying the tax on these dollars today so that I never have to pay tax on it in the future. There's never been an ability for you to have your matching contributions also be Roth. Now, listen, your company, when they make their matching contribution, they're going to get the deduction either way. It's an expense to them. Okay. It's an expense. Therefore, they can't just contribute after tax and, and have it not be deductible. They're going to deduct it. Therefore, someone's got to pay the tax on it, and it's going to be you. You now have the ability, or what is it, starting next year, um, you have the ability to have your your company match be Roth I, Roth 401k dollars. Go into the Roth side of your 401k. That's fantastic. I, mm-hmm. I, I love it. However, it's going to mean that you're going to have more income that's taxable to you and I don't know how it's, you know, you're going to have withholdings on it. it. So that's something that is going to be a financial planning implication that you've got to figure out. Yeah, it, you know, it could tip the scales. If you're someone that usually keeps things pretty tight on your tax return, you don't get big refunds at the end of the year, and you're, you're shooting for a break-even tax return, it, this could, you know, swing you into maybe owing just because now you have some additional income. And if if they don't withhold extra uh, on the rest of your paycheck, then yeah, a little extra income all of a sudden could uh, you know could tip you into owing potentially. You, you can't do math in the radio; it's not going to make sense. But say you make a hundred grand and you're in a safe harbor four hundred one k, so your match is four percent. Mm-hmm. That's four. That's four grand of income that's now going to be on your tax return that has no withholdings to it. And if you're in the twenty two percent tax bracket plus a little state tax, it could be a thousand bucks that you owe and. So if you do that, what each, about FICA? Correct. I'm assuming there's going to be no FICA. Shouldn't on it. be FICA, I wouldn't think. Yeah, well, who knows? Should be. Yeah, who knows? Um, and so if you do that each and every year, my guess is you're going to start feeling tired. You're going to get sick of that that employer match. Um, so my guess there's going to. So here are the planning implications. You number one need to figure out well should you have your employer match be be Roth. And I, I, everyone's got to make that have that question. That's why we can confidently say the Secure Act 2.0 will change everyone's financial plan, everyone's financial life, because you now have a new question that you need to answer. And how do you answer that question wisely? Through comprehensive financial planning, working with your CFP. So you, number one, you got to ask that question. Number two, if you should have your employer match be Roth, you've got to then answer the follow-up question: How are you going to pay the taxes? Is that just going to come out of your refund? Are you going to owe every year, potentially subject yourself to penalties? Should you increase your tax withholdings? How should that work? How should you do that? You know, if you are, if you're thinking, eh, that's too complicated, uh, or I don't know, or each year I get paid in commission, or I'm not sure, I've got some variable income, don't know whether I should do this or not. Guys, there is a workaround. Just do an in-plan Roth conversion every year of the match. So you have full control over whether you're going to do this or not. Have it all go in, your employer match be pre-tax, and then in December, take a look and say, well, what do I think my tax year is going to look like? Should all this stuff be Roth? All right, yep. And do a conversion within your 401k and uh, of that match, those match dollars. Yeah, I think the, the point in all of this, though, is you're making a tax decision first and foremost. Is this uh, the best year for you to pay the tax now at today's rates, or would you rather have a, an opportunity out there in the future, maybe at lower rates for, for some people, and pay the tax then? That, that's what 
helps to decide whether or not a traditional plan or a Roth plan makes sense for you. But you can't do that just kind of on a whim or just kind of guessing. In our opinion, you really need to be thinking through an actual tax projection every single year. Certainly, every time that you would do a Roth conversion, you would first do uh, kind of a mock version of your tax return to decide with or without this this transaction, what will my tax picture look like? Mm-hmm. Do I like the outcome that it, it produces for me? That's right. But it's a decision, and it's a financial planning decision. There's a right answer out there. Not a right answer, set it and forget it, but each year you've got to take a look, work with your CFP on that. Those are just two of the Rothification rules. We're going to hit the, the others, that and more, coming up on The Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. All right, Kevin Corhorn just just gave me a new idea, saw a a rule, a Rothification rule in the Secure Act 2.0 that we're going to ca- talk about right now. It just shed a different light on it and and it's unbelievable. So, we're we're explaining those rules. We've got that right now. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name's Mike Bernard. With me in the KF2 studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Stay up to date on all Wise Money content. Find us online, wisemoneyshow.com, and then all over social media. Wherever you're at, we are there as well. Search the Wise Money Show. All right. So Secure Act 2.0. This is a our second show kind of breaking down some of the rules. And specifically in this one, we're talking about the Rothification, the rules within the simple uh, the Secure Act 2.0 that expand your ability to use the Roth IRA, Roth 401k, Roth style accounts. All right. The third one, this is overlap from what we hit last week, but the shocking news that if you are a high wage earner, meaning you earn more than 145000 you will be required to have your catch-up contributions to your 401k go into the Roth side of your 401k. So that, and, and we shared last week that you may, depending on your tax situation, you might want all of those dollars to be going Roth 401k. Fantastic. Or you may have wanted those to go pre-tax, and now you're no longer able to do that uh, if you make more than that amount. Here's what Kevin, can I can I share it? Or sure. Do you, you, okay, go ahead. How do you know how much money? Like, when do you know how much money you're going to make for the year? After the year's over. Mm-hmm. So, but when do you get your match contribution? Every paycheck mm-hmm. starting in January. Mm-hmm. So, how will they know? If you're going to make more and you might say, well, based on your annual salary. Okay. What about people that get paid a commission? What about people that get paid a bonus? So does this mean if you have, if you make 140 grand, you're good. And then at the end of the year, you get a bonus for six grand. And now you're over the 145 limit. Unbelievable. And is it an, is, is it a hard like cliff type of a, a threshold where as soon as you make that 145000 and one more dollar, now none of your catch-up contributions can be after tax? Or is it only to the extent you go over? Yeah, that's a great question. The um, That's in the suggestion box. And the, <laughs> they're still working on the SECURE Act 1.0. When do you have to take your required minimum distributions from a beneficial IRA? So once they yeah. get that one settled, they'll uh, get back to us on this one, Josh. <laughs> it's, uh, it's unbelievable. So the prior to this sort of epiphany that Kevin shared, the the other sort of complexity with this was, well, what if you switch jobs? 
And the way the rule is written in the in the law is it seems like from they're calling it from the employer. And therefore, if you switch jobs in a year and you happen to make 100 from one employer and then you switch jobs and make 100 from another, you're still fine. Hmm. That's that's how they wrote the laws. We'll see if the IRS interprets it that way or if there's a change. But yeah, for this, yeah, that is that is wild. I wonder, guys, if what they're going to do is they do a conversion of that's a forced Roth conversion of all of those match dollars after the end of the year. I wonder. But again, like then you didn't do any withholdings on that and that could swing your tax return after doing what you thought was some careful planning and, and so on. But man, um, you know, this this is just another story of tax law changes, good intentions. I'm sure, you know, they're, they're trying to solve certain problems or create certain incentives but when you're just kind of adding new laws on top of old laws and you get this layering effect, it doesn't always make sense. It doesn't always true up. You know, even even when you said uh, earlier this morning, Mike, yeah, have you heard about the the high income or high wage earners and, and what it means for their uh, catch up contributions? You said one hundred and forty five thousand. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not always the threshold no. that the government uses for what's a high wage earner, right? Correct. So it's it's not even consistent there. And so the point here is you can't keep all these laws in your head, right? <laughs> you, you can't, um, I, I would say your advisors can't either. And it's part of the reason why you have to sit down on a regular basis and analyze which thresholds are you bumping up against, which types of tax benefits could go away if your income goes just a little bit higher or if you take certain action. And it, if it is not part of your normal routine and your regular rhythms throughout the year to be doing tax projections, this is the year you got to start, yeah. right? With, with this amount of tax law change and complexity coming down the, the pipe here, it, it's time for you to kind of elevate your game and the work that you do with your professional advisors. If you're not working with a certified financial planner who's also partnered up with a a certified public accountant that can be collaborating on your behalf, then I I just don't know how you would keep all this stuff straight. No. We shared uh, last week's show that the, some of the implications with this, when you turn age 50, that's when you can start doing your catch up contribution. So this, this requirement doesn't even apply to you if you're not 50. Note, by the way, that when you turn 60, there's now going to be this new catch-up contribution and expanded catch-up contribution for age 60, 61, 62, 63. And if you are, if you make more than 145, all of those new that expanded catch-up has to be Roth as well. Um, but implications: when you're in your early 50s, you're likely having kids in college, and you're going to want as many deductions as possible, and so therefore. Not being able to deduct your catch-up contribution may cause more of your American, well, cause you to lose some American Opportunity Tax Credit or not be able to get it at all, period. Mm -hmm. It also, another implication is then you might need to look to say, well, where else can we get deductions? And so HSA, maybe you need to take a fresh look at that and say, instead of contributing 50 bucks a paycheck or something, you find a way to max that thing out. Um, another implication is if you are a high wage earner and you're the primary breadwinner, but your spouse has a part-time job, 
you might have 100% or 90% of your spouse's uh, paycheck going pre-tax so that it helps offset your uh, your catch-up contribution forcing you know to be Roth. So there's lots of individualized planning implications that you've got to work with your CFP on. So, all right, another Rothification change. I think this one's a good one, but it also is a little confusing in the first place. Basically fixes, I think, a mistake in the tax code. <laughs> Used to be that, and, and still is currently, this changes next year, that a Roth, so guys, pre-tax IRA, is there a required minimum distribution? Yes. Pre-tax 401k? Yes. What about a Roth IRA? Do you need to take an RMD from a Roth IRA? No, no. It's one of the, it's one of the benefits. Yep. So what about a Roth four hundred one k? For years previously, for years, Mike, we've listened to you complain about the <laughs> RMD on the Roth four hundred one k. Thank you. Yes, I have been. That's you got that exactly right, Kevin. So there is a required minimum <laughs> distribution on a Roth four hundred one k. So add that to the long list of reasons why you, when you leave an employer, you should roll that four hundred one k over to an IRA. Add that to the long list. Now, still applies in 2023, but through the Secure Act 2.0, no more required minimum distribution on Roth 401ks starting in 2024. That's great. In my opinion, that's just logical. In my opinion, that's not in and of itself a reason to say, well, okay, well, great. Now I no longer need to roll my Roth 401k over to a Roth IRA when I retire. No, you should still do that or work with your CFP on that. Yeah, it's part of the big decision making that you do when you're transitioning into retirement. It's not just, am I utilizing the right tax shelters and, and so on, but have you simplified your financial life? Have you consolidated things? And, um, you know, part, part of the beauty of um, you having money in a, in a Roth IRA instead of a Roth 401k is you probably have way more investment options available to you way more flexibility on how you structure your portfolio in in retirement. Uh, it may be easier just administratively to change things like beneficiaries and, and stuff like that. So, um, and, and if for no other reason, you may be someone you say, you know what, I want a co-pilot helping to manage these dollars with me. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to be working with uh, a professional. And that professional could help you set up a Roth IRA and, and manage that into into retirement. There's a little bit more flexibility on your withdrawals. There's also, if you're not yet retired, there's different rules with if you need to access your Roth IRA before 59 and a half, you can pull your contributions out first with a Roth 401k. That's not the order. You can't pull them out, your contributions out first. So there's some other reasons that you still should consider moving the Roth 401k over to the IRA, uh, Roth IRA. So, all right, what are the other Rothification rules? We've got that more coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. What's the biggest change in the SECURE Act? It actually opens up more of the Roth IRA to more individuals. We're explaining that, this entire Rothification, that and more. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. With me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Every episode of the Wise Money Show is on the YouTube channel, along with a lot of other content. Go to YouTube, search the Wise Money Show, subscribe to the channel, and follow us there. All right, we're talking about the... Secure Act 2.0 rules, but the ones that apply to the Roth IRA or Roth style accounts, they've expanded these significantly. 
Roth simple IRA is available now. Uh, Roth SEP IRA. I think linguistically it's going to be simple Roth IRA is my guess. No one cares. But you, it's just. <laughs> but it is officially within the Secure Act. It is no longer officially an IRA. <laughs> they did. That's one of their changes. That's one of the really? rules. They made well. that law now. Yeah, you can't call it an IRA anymore. It's what a, is the penalty for doing so? That's what I want to know. Yeah, I don't know. We <laughs> tax your entire account. I, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, lots of changes to to Roth accounts, Roth style accounts, make them making them more available. Well, one of them, and my, in our opinion, the biggest tax law change, is that you're now going to be able to transfer five twenty nine dollars into a Roth IRA. There's a ton of rules, some of which we know now. Some of them haven't even been written yet, so we don't know. They're going to make changes. But we talked about this a little bit last week. Let's talk about it again and explain it sort of how this works. And again, it's going to encourage more people to use Roth. I, yeah, I, I think one of my favorite parts of this is just kind of the theme of maybe giving an opportunity and a, a I don't know, an incentive even for young people getting started in their careers to um, maybe get going on their, their retirement contributions as early as possible. And if there were some leftover dollars in education accounts, you don't have to just cash those in and pay taxes and penalties on growth because you didn't use it for college. Um, you you can instead just basically continue that tax deferred growth now in a Roth contribution. And it, I don't know. I, I like last week, I think, Kevin, you said something about almost incentivizing your students to, to play an active role and make a very intentional decision about where they go to school and what's their approach. Uh, are you going to try to squeeze four years into five uh, at a university? Are you going to pick the more expensive school or are you going to make sure that you're getting a, a great bargain in, in your education or great value in your education? Um, you know, student, let, let, let's be honest. Students have some control or some influence on how much of the education nest egg, so to speak, or the education funds actually get used up. Sure. They're playing an active role in... Uh, taking classes seriously, you know, taking a full load each each semester, that that kind of thing. And what if you had overfunded their education because of the decisions that they made and and they took things seriously, that that sort of thing, and you could reward that by helping them get going on their own retirement contributions um, early, you know, right out of school. Mm-hmm. I so couple implications. Could you? Have this 529 plan, fund it, fund it, fund it for your kids. It's got to be, I mean, one of the rules, it's got to be open for at least 15 years. And apparently the transfers that you make from your 529 to your Roth, to the Roth IRA. Oh, by the way, I mean, we didn't make this clear in last show. Who's Roth IRA? Well, it's the beneficiaries, right. the student that is listed on the 529 plan. Um, but you can't transfer any contributions that you made in the past five years and it's got to count as a Roth contribution, and therefore you've got to, you know, the income limits apply. I'm assuming the income limits apply, but certainly the contribution limits apply. And the maximum you can do over someone's lifetime is 35000 Okay, so all that's out there. Implication, plain implication. Could you put as much money as you can into the 529, child goes to school, you don't use it all, or you choose, I actually have some cash flow. This kid's no longer in the house. And so, you know, the grocery bill is a little less. So I have some cash flow. I will pay a little bit of college out of cash flow. Now I've got some money left in the 529 plan. Change the beneficiary on your 529 plan back to yourself. 
and use your 529 plan to max fund your Roth IRA, your own Roth IRA in each year, each year, not your child's. Can you? Yes. Really? Yes. Yep. They apparently, so oh, right now word. you can change the beneficiary. just got a whole bunch less money. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you I, I wonder if they're going to change the rules around how frequently you can change the beneficiary on your 529 plan, but... I heard from an expert in these rules who heard from someone who helped contribute to this law, and they said it's not the intent to lock down the beneficiary changes. So this would be a not not a loophole because it takes so it would take so long and the future is unknown. So you have no idea if you'd even be able to pull this off. But apparently word inside Congress that helped write this law was yeah, we're we're not going to lock that down. So you'd be able to change the beneficiary back to yourself and make these contributions. But I I believe income limits would still apply. So if you're thinking, oh, that's what I'm going to do, that's what I'm going to do, and then you get out there into into that time and you're ready to do it, but you make too much and you can't do a Roth contribution anyway, then mm-hmm. you know sour grapes. So yeah, I I think so. When you think about this, if you're there's a couple people um, that are listening today. One person listening saying, yep, I have sufficient resources. I can fund all this stuff, and then we'll do this cool planning. You might be listening and saying, all right, I, I stopped listening because I can't fully fund anything. And I would encourage you to to work on having a vision for your financial life. And I, there's a professional in my life that I was talking with, and um, oh, it's my doctor. And he was telling me these things like, hey, at 55, if you do these things, it will look like this by the time you're 60 versus if you do those things, it's going to look like that. And he was really encouraging me. And I thought, well, my doctor seems to have a more powerful vision for my health than I do. And I would encourage you find someone that might have a more powerful vision for your financial life than you do. And that can help you achieve it. Because it's so important to understand these things. I mean, my question to you is, if you're listening today, is who's helping you with your tax planning? Again, not not tax preparation, tax planning. Who's sitting down with you saying, these are the various places that you can put money, especially now after the Secure Act 2.0, and this is how much you should put into each of them, not only today, but going forward. And this is what it looks like when your debt snowball is done and you've got these resources freed up and you can do this or this is what it looks like when you have access to your trust and this and these are the things you should fund or in the event that inheritance you think you might be getting someday it actually shows up these are the things that you should do yeah yeah go ahead oh i love that you're you're kind of pointing to the fact that some of these tax law changes can benefit two different groups in Mm -hmm. two different ways Mm -hmm. and as you said, I mean, there are some families out there that are looking for active and creative ways to transfer assets from one generation to the next. They recognize that we are on pace to have more than enough for our lifetime. And so how do we start to bless the next generation, give them opportunities to become and, and practice being good stewards of, of this money? And so for them, the ability to take extra 529 plan contributions or, or dollars that are left over and get them flipped over into a Roth IRA could be music to their ears. Mm-hmm. For others, where you say, you know what, uh, I have competing goals. I don't have enough resources to fully pay for college and I don't have enough resources to fully pay for my retirement. I need to make sure that any leftovers after the college goal is met, I can kind of redeem back over to 
to a Roth IRA. This just made that possible for you. Mm-hmm. Now, it takes a lot of fancy footwork and, and some planning ahead, changing beneficiaries, a lot of transactions and things. But the point is, you, you have less risk of accidentally over-devoting some resources to one goal and having it be a painful process to get it back to another goal. Yep. Flexibility, I think, is, is the name of the game here. Piggybacking on something Kevin said earlier, I, I shared over the break, what are some of the planning implications? Guys, it's, it's no longer going to be acceptable for your financial advisor to not understand your tax picture and give you tax advice. When we were getting into the business, guys, there was just all sorts of red tape. You, you, you can give investment advice. You can't give tax advice. And then when we started our, our, our tax firm, we ventured into that. And so many other advisors still say, I, you know, I, I'm not a tax expert. I can't give you tax advice, that sort of thing. That's unacceptable. It's not, it's not going to, it, it's not what you need anymore. You need someone that's giving you financial advice that understands your tax picture. Comprehensive financial planning. Mm-hmm. Tax planning is one of the six areas. So is investment planning. So is retirement planning. So is present financial position. So cash flow, estate planning. That's what you need. In the face of all of this chaos, all of this change, you need a CFP doing comprehensive financial planning. All right, that's all the time we have for for today. On behalf of Josh Gregory, Kevin Corhorn, all of us at Corhorn Financial Group, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Um, do you say coupon or coupon? Tell me, is it coupon or I've coupon? I've actually different eras of my life. I've been a Q or a coup. You're, it's what? weird. I don't know. Maybe it has to do with where I was living. That's crazy. Because I think I was a Q. Okay, so this show is about financial planning. No, so I'm important. calling tangent. This is more important because I never. I don't think I've ever heard you say coupon before. This really stands out. I got to question our friendship here. Oh, <laughs> well, you're one of those guys. <laughs> coupon? Isn't that what you have? So you're a coupon guy. Coupon. It's got to be a Michigan. You thing. have a coupon, no, dude. You have I, a coupon. Coupon. Yeah, I don't know. It was coupon for me growing up, but I I've converted to coupon. Wow. Pretty soon you're going to tell me it's the BMV, not the DMV. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.